What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome into another episode of Know Your Role. I'm Xavier Catania, and my role is to host this podcast. KC Sports Company had a great week of shows this week and daily Royals coverage, and we're finding our groove with our first month of operation here. Um, we also have the merch, and our website just came out today, so go and check that out kcsportscompany.com and make sure you get yourself a know your role shirt get yourself one of the other designs of shirt they're awesome we have like five or five to ten like designs they all look great um very excited about them i know that our design team's been working really hard on all the graphics for the social media, for the t-shirts, for the podcast thumbnails and everything. So hats off to them and uh, make sure you're subscribing on YouTube. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at know your role X and you're following the KC sports company, Twitter page. We're on all the podcast platforms now. So make sure you're subscribed everywhere. Make sure you know, about the episodes coming out because we got something new for you every day and you're not going to want to miss any of it. Now, we're pretty deep into the off season at this point. Dynasty rookie draft season is here for all of you dynasty sickos like me. Um, I basically got a rookie draft or a startup draft coming like every week for the next month. Like I get no time off. It's all football all the time throughout these down weeks and that's why i really love rookie uh dynasty drafts because they're long drafts they're long timers they keep you occupied for a while there's a lot of uh trash talk that goes on in the leagues and it's just um it's a great time if you love football and you're not in a dynasty league i advise you to get one and try it out because it's the only kind of leagues i play and it makes this down period of the off season something to actually look forward to so it really like this four to six week period from may to like early july is just like some of the slowest days in the entire nfl calendar and the best we can really hope for is like uh, a video clip of drew tranquil doing incline dumbbell bench or um we could read articles about like Breland speaks tearing up the USFL and um, on his way to possibly be in defensive player of the year in the USFL, which is kind of hilarious to think about. Um, and really just goes to show that like, no, even these guys who wash out of the NFL, they are great players and would pretty much destroy any other human on the planet outside of NFL caliber players. And it just shows you how hard it is to actually make it in the NFL. Um, and that was funny. I hadn't even thought about Breland speaks in years until I saw that article and I was like, Oh, good for him. At least he's, um, at least he's still going after it, man. I admire that. Um, but there also are some very interesting news tidbits that come out during this period it's just f kind of few and far between um but when they do come out some of them are very interesting and i just read an article from matt burroughs at the athletic who interviewed trey lance's personal coach and this is yet another story of greatness just elevating everyone around it and everyone who touches it and 
in this interview, uh, I think his name's Jeff Christensen talked with the, with the guy from the athletic and was talking about how working out in Texas with Patrick Mahomes has really elevated Trey Lance's game to a place that he had been trying to get Trey to go with his game. But, um, he, Trey Lance just had to see it from a guy like Mahomes and, much to the dismay of parents and teachers and coaches everywhere, this is often how it goes, is that you can tell someone something over and over and over again, but until they see it in practice from someone that is their peer that is making it work, it doesn't really sink in as much. Maybe it doesn't click as much, but um, it seems that since these workouts with QB1, Trey Lance has had nothing but positive press. They had their voluntary OTAs, and the coaches were saying that Trey Lance was miles ahead of where he was at this time last year. And if you're familiar with San Francisco, you know that Trey Lance has been looking at possibly losing his job to Brock Purdy, and his work with Mahomes is apparently um, really helping him in his battle for that quarterback spot. Um and it just is another piece that continues to beg the question of what in the hell is going on in Texas at these workouts. Like, they, not only are there players from other teams there, there's players that have just joined the Chiefs there. They also are bringing in young guys that are just coming into the league so that they can evaluate them and it honestly is like such a great workaround for the cba to have a guy like mahomes who the coaches trust and the coaches know that like he's not going to give them bad information and he also knows what they're looking for to fit their offense because he knows the offense as good as anyone him and Andy are on the same wavelength with a lot of things. So um, it's just incredible. And not all, he's teaching all of the receivers that are coming to the Chiefs the playbook and showing them where he wants them on certain routes, where he wants them to break down, where he wants them when the play breaks down and what, and working on their timing like every day. It's just nothing but positives. And, we had heard that it had been done by Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and some of these other legendary guys for years. But now that we're in the social media age, it's kind of more in our face. And I think it maybe even is getting to a more extreme place with Patrick Mahomes because not only did he credit his chemistry with the wide receivers to those off-season workouts leading up to an MVP season and a Super Bowl championship. These workouts have now started to include people from other teams, like we see with Trey Lance, and also incoming rookies looking for a taste of what NFL practice will be like, what it will be like catching passes from an NFL quarterback, and what the coaches will be expecting from them day in and day out in practice. And um, this offseason, we're seeing videos with like Quentin Johnston and Zay Flowers and some of these top-tier wide receivers down there doing workouts. And 
one of the guys that the hype train wasn't rolling for as much because we just weren't told about it and we weren't told about it because the chiefs were going to pick him was rashi rice and he came from smu which is right there in dallas so local to where the workouts were happening was able to be there for a bunch of them and pat mahomes said that he had immediate chemistry with rice that he was impressed by rice's physical ability as well as his willingness to be able to take coaching and work on the finer nuances of each route concept and um really just be able to immediately put that into play in the next rep so I want to get into Rashi Rice a little bit, and I think, you know, it would be really hard to not be impressed with him as a physical specimen. The kid is six foot, two hundred pounds, six one, depending on where you see it. Yeah, that's a weird thing with these heights all the time. They're not always listed the same at every place, but we're I'm going to go with six foot, two hundred pounds. We're in a four five one. 95th percentile burst score, uh, 86th percentile catch radius. Anything above a 10.2 on the catch radius score is considered extraordinary for a receiver. And this score also incorporates the player's ability to cover ground laterally and go airborne to make catches outside their frame. And Rashi Rice came in at a 10.25. So he's right at that threshold of just being next level wingspan catch radius. Uh, the, the kid is a freak. He, he's got super long arms. Um, he's definitely was like a, more of a jump ball winner in college with a lot of the deep routes he wasn't doing a lot of big time separation deep he was making a lot of just really tough catches going up and and fighting for the ball and and winning at the catch point and that's why i think that a lot of people have been comparing him to deandre hopkins including rice himself and um i can see a bit of the comparison when it does one thing that worries me a little bit is that a lot of these jump ball guys that come out of these smaller conferences, they don't always translate to the NFL. And some of that is just because they're not going against as good of corners or as physical of corners. And some of these guys that are just like really big time physical freaks like uh, Rashi Rice, they uh, often are just better than everyone they play against. And so it doesn't really matter how good the other guy guards them they can just go over the top of them and get it now does that translate to the nfl with rashi i tend to think that it will um i think maybe it'll take a little bit but i think that that's just a kind of a cherry on top of his game i think he's got a lot more to his game than that he's not just a jump ball receiver he was actually a pretty good producer at SMU his sophomore and junior year he had a little over 600 yards so nothing insane happening there but he did have 80 targets 79 and 80 targets in those two years and in his junior year he had nine touchdowns um 
his yards per catch has always been right around 14. Um, but his senior year, he played all 12 games. He had 157 targets and caught 96 passes. He had 1,355 receiving yards, and he had a target share of 30%. And so he was the guy on his team, the alpha, absolutely produced like it. Um, no one could really stop him. I mean, he pretty much, on his film, he pretty much was doing whatever he wanted. And I'm not really a film guy. I just watch a little bit to kind of get an idea of what they look like on the field. Um, if you want more in-depth breakdowns, you go look at like Seth Kaiser or someone like that because he is just uh, a sicko and he watches so much film and i would just never be able to do that i just will i just physically can't i'll go insane so um but one thing i do know about rashi is he's creative route runner he has a pretty good release off the line and he's pretty good at finding soft spots in zone i know that's a big thing that juju was good at that the chiefs lost and i think that for this year one um rashi is going to be asked to do a lot of short to intermediate zone beating stuff um, as he learns how to perfect his hand fighting and release to be able to go in those more man-on-man -man situations, which I think he'll be able to do later on. But I think early, the Chiefs are just going to try to keep it easy on him, limit his snaps, and um, help him get comfortable in the NFL. Now, he is a bit of an older prospect, which is not great. Um, he is 23. He'll be 23 all year. Um, but that is still a bit old for a rookie. For comparison, Calvin Ridley was considered like an ancient, old, old receiver coming out of college. And he was 20, uh, 24. So Rashi is not the youngest guy to ever play. Um but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that means he's had more time to get polished in college. And I ideally would mean that he would be more ready to compete in the NFL. And um, yeah, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping he's a little bit more pro ready because of that. Uh, his best comparable athletically and according to his college production is Terrace Marshall. And I know that in 2021, when Terrace Marshall came out of college, that was a guy that a ton of Chiefs fans had circled. They Everyone wanted him. Um, I know there was even a little bit of disappointment with the Creed Humphrey pick at the time because people wanted a receiver. We've wanted a receiver for years now. And... Terrace Marshall was the guy that a lot of us had our sights set on. And um, the Creed Humphrey pick was a great pick. And, and immediately when you see a lineman out of Georgia with a skill set like Creed's, you cannot be upset with it. But the, i just pointing that out to let people know that if the name had been Terrace Marshall, there would be a ton of hype around this because Terrace Marshall came out of LSU. Rashi Rice comes from SMU. So not as much pedigree there, not as much level of competition, um, but very similar prospects. 
Terrace Marshall was picked at the 27th pick of the second round. Rashi Rice was picked at the 24th pick of the second round. I mean, they're very comparable players. So that gives you an idea of the talent level of the kid. Now, the mental aspect seems to be there, and let's hope that it is because I think that's why Patrick and um, the and Veach and all the other guys really liked him, I think, was because of that. So um, I have pretty high hopes for Rashi. I think he'll probably have to learn a little bit of special team stuff early. I see him kind of competing for the four or five spot. I think that he could move up the depth chart somewhere around mid season. If Tony or sky Moore are not producing the way that they could, but um, we're going to get to talk about, the guy who I think is Rashi Rice's direct competitor in camp this year. And it's not MVS. So stick with me after the break. What up, KC? After yet another Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory, we have an awesome opportunity for you to broadcast your business or your services to a very enthusiastic Kansas City audience. We've started Kansas City Sports Company, which is a sports media broadcasting hub that brings you multiple different live shows covering all the local Kansas City sports teams. We're offering 30-second ad spots, 60-second ad spots, event sponsorships, show sponsorships, studio sponsorships, and much, much more. If you want more information or if this sounds like an opportunity for you, then contact me or hit that contact us link on the website. Okay, now we're going to get into some of the more uh, known quantities that the Chiefs have picked up this year. And I want to talk about some of the underrated free agent signings of the offseason. Now, if you haven't noticed with my last two shows, the I like to talk about the guys that maybe don't get as much glory, maybe aren't as highly revered, but still are important to the teams. Um, I find it very boring to just talk about how great Patrick Mahomes is all the time now. Don't get me wrong. He's great. And we just spent like 10 minutes talking about it in the first half of this show. And I will happily talk about Patrick Mahomes being great anytime you want. But it does kind of get old just talking about the same things that everyone else is talking about all the time. And I think there's a few topics right now that are just getting beaten to death in the Kansas City media, offensive line stuff, and then um, the receiver room. But I think what's kind of getting beat to death is the Tony, the Tony conversation, the Kelsey conversation, the MVS, uh, Rashi Rice, all that stuff is kind of getting beaten to death. So I love to talk about these more under-the-radar guys. So... One of these guys that I've been very intrigued by and I thought was a great signing was Richie James from the New York Giants. Uh, he spent some time in San Francisco, and I think that it's easy to forget about him. He's one of the more easily forgettable signings. He signed for one year, $1.2 million. It was quiet time during the offseason. It wasn't the receiver name that people wanted, so I think people kind of – just disregard it but 
as we saw in the AFC Championship game last season when we had Sky Moore, MVS, and Marcus Kemp on the field and no one else healthy, uh, these depth positions do matter, and they, they matter a lot when it comes to winning on the margins, which is the way that you win championships in the NFL. You have to do the little things right. You have to have fourth, fifth, and sixth string guys who can come in and get the job done and uh, give you a high percentage of what you lose in the guy before them. And I think that Richie James has a, a very probable path to a contributing role on this team. He's a career special teamer. He can return. He's He can be a gunner. He knows how to do that stuff. Um, but, uh, and that's going to, that's what's going to help him stick on the team. But uh, one thing I want to talk about a little bit more than that is his ability as a receiver because he's not a world beater, but for where he's going to be at in the depth chart, he doesn't need to be a world beater. What he needs to be is reliable. And what he needs to be is consistently himself. And what he can do is be a pretty consistent slot receiver on limited snaps. You don't want him getting a ton of snaps, but that's not what he was signed for. He was paid $1.2 million. That's not the kind of money you give to a guy who's going to get substantial snaps but he does a lot of his work in the short area and last season was his best season by far he had pretty limited usage from weeks four to ten but from week 11 on he started to get it going a little bit. And if you remember, the Giants were on a bit of a stretch run there at the end to get into the playoffs, and they had they went on a pretty good run. So from week 11 and on, he played in nine games, and I believe this is including the playoffs. He had 70% of his total targets for the season in those nine games. He had all four of his touchdowns in those nine games. He had nine red zone targets, which averages out to one per game. I think it was one in most of the games. I think he had one game with zero and one game with two. So it evens out nice, clean one per game. Um, the bulk of his yardage came in those last nine games. And in only three of those games saw him below 12 PPR fantasy points. And now what that means is that he was called upon later in the season when the games were more important, when the teams know they need someone on the field who is reliable. And that's exactly what Richie James is. He has a high win uh, per route win rate. Like it's, Actually pretty insane. He has a 48.3% win rate, which is number 11 for wide receivers. Now, keep in mind, this is about half the size of the sample that you'll get out of like the every down players. Um, he had about 100 and... 100 or uh, yeah about half of the amount of routes, maybe even a little less than 50% of the routes of like a every down player. But 
the, nonetheless, these are still impressive. He had a win rate versus man coverage of 44.1%. That was number nine in the league. His win rate versus zone was 46.6%. Um, he had, he also had a very high QB rating per target, which was 118.8. That was number six in the league. So uh, when targeted, the quarterback was often making a great decision to target him. Um, he had pretty good target accuracy, so that helps. But his his catch rate was 80.3%, but his true catch rate was 95%, number 12th in the league among wide receivers. And um, what the true catch rate is, is it filters out uh, – uncatchable targets like throwaways or you know just horribly underthrown or overthrown passes passes that he would have never gotten to but because he's the closest receiver it gets counted as a target towards him he had so basically whenever the ball was within reasonable catching distance he was catching the ball and 95 percent of the time and that i mean you can't ask for much more than that and so because of that, I think he has a really good shot at getting at least a number five receiver role. I think he'll be battling with Rashi Rice for that number four role. And I think he may have the number four role early in the year as Rice gets comfortable with the offense and learns what the team is looking for from him. But the... The fact that Richie James can be so reliable underneath, I think that opens up so many things that the team can do. And it just gives you one more guy who can help you out in a lot of different ways, whether it be special teams or, you know, short down and distance situations. He's going to be a guy that's going to be on the field a decent amount for those. And I think with good reason. I mean, he's decently fast. He runs a 4-4, a 4-4-8, um, and he has pretty good agility. Now, he's a smaller guy, so you're not going to see him like doing anything crazy, but he's best comparable to Ted Ginn Jr. He, I think he honestly could be a slower version of Nicole Hardman to where he can do a lot of end around stuff. He'll take a lot of short passes and stuff, but you're not going to be relying on him to go super deep all the time because he's not the best route runner. And um, he's just going to be a role player, but a really good one, I think. And I think that was an underrated signing by the Chiefs, similar to a Damian Williams type of signing where he could end up looming very large for this team. Um you can never have too many reliable targets the way the injuries happen in the NFL. So the next guy I want to talk about is one of the first defensive guys that we'll be talking about in the history of Know Your Role. And I got two defensive guys to talk about to close out this show. So the first one was a signing that I thought people would be way more excited about, a signing of Drew Tranquil from the Chargers I know we've seen this guy play against us for four years now. Um, we've seen him improve over the years and become 
from a, a role player to pretty much an every down player for the chargers in his last year or two with them um got him on a deal man one year three million dollars he's listed as a linebacker plays a lot like a box safety to me um he's maybe slightly bigger than a safety would be and that's why he still is able to play linebacker but um he led the Chargers in tackles last year at 142. That doesn't always mean he's the best player on the team, but it does mean he's around the ball a lot. And a lot of times those tackle numbers are shown by effort. Like where if you're around the ball, that means you're giving effort. If you're uh, working hard to get to the ball, that means you're giving effort. And he's a big time effort guy, never takes plays off. You can tell he works really hard. Um, we, I mentioned earlier of him doing the incline dumbbell bench. I mean, dude is an absolute freak of nature athletically. He was 97th percentile, did 31 bench reps at the combine, and that's with 225 on the bar. It's just absolute monster. Um, for his size, he's 234, which is about 20 pounds lighter than most linebackers, 20 to 30 pounds heavier than a lot of linebackers. And he's still repping out those, those bench press reps with the best of them. So his strength is top notch. His agility is high. I mean, everything on his profile is above 80th percentile for athletics. He He's the number one, number 81 all-time ranked linebacker and athleticism on player profiler and that's out of 502 so he's in the top 20th percentile of linebacker athletes um you know runs a four five seven um decent burst as well uh he just he does a lot of things good he is a pretty good blitzer, had five and a half sacks last year. That was number six for inside uh, linebackers, which technically I think he's an outside linebacker. But for linebacker, that's not actually rushing the passer. Um, and he had 12 quarterback pressures, which was number 12 at the position. Um, and so very solid blitzer he's got decent coverage skills as well he really understands zone coverage knows where he needs to be he is very good um about coming downhill when he needs to but sometimes he's a little hesitant to take that first step i think he second guesses himself a little bit and because of that sometimes he's a little late but he does have the athleticism to recover from it which um is great i mean absolutely great i think his game's pretty similar to old dirty dan Sorensen, and the the main difference is he's 30 pounds heavier than Sorensen was and he has a bit more hair um <laughs> but he plays much stronger in the run game he than Sorensen did. I would say for a linebacker, he does get washed out some. If a if an offensive lineman gets a hold of him, it's a problem for him. What he is good at because he's adapted to playing as a smaller linebacker, he's really good at actually just avoiding blockers 
like being able to angle his body in a way and contort around people and shoot gaps and stuff to be able to miss the blocks completely and whenever he's able to do that he looks insane there's a there's a rep of him like squirting through the line against uh jacksonville i think and he's just like moving sideways reaching out and like makes a tackle while he's moving sideways between two linemen it's insane and that's some of the reasons why he led them in tackles is just because he he was everywhere man the pursuit is relentless from this guy so i'm very excited about drew tranquil i think he's going to be the starting sam right away and then he'll be a solid third linebacker behind nick bolton and willie gay and i wouldn't be surprised to see spags have him in a bunch of sub packages playing that box safety slash like up linebacker role i i just think he fits the defense so well there's so many different things he can do very underrated signing steal for the money that we got him for and i cannot wait to see what he can do um especially because he's got athleticism like Willie Gay, but he's just a little smaller. So I think that Willie is still going to be that early down guy, but you're going to see Tranquil make some plays this year. And I think he's going to end up being a guy that Chiefs fans really like. Um, now, the last guy I want to get into before I got to get out of here, because I'm already going to run over my time and I'm really bad about that. So sorry to the editing team, <laughs> but I got a lot to say, I guess. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is Charles O'Manahue. Signed pretty early in the free agency period. A guy that um, isn't super well known around the league, but that's because he's playing behind Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa and Ebukam. I think that's how you say it, and San Francisco, which are two great defensive ends. So most of the time, Omenihu was somewhere around 40 to 60% of the snaps in any given game. So he's a rotational player for them. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't good. I think he would have been the starting end on a lot of teams. He just happened to play for a team who was loaded at his position. Um, so, you know, for the sake of depth i'd love to see the shark back in red um but i think the chiefs might have found a younger version of clark in charles omenihue um got him for two years 16 million it's basically a one-year deal with an option because it's only 8.5 million guaranteed omenihue is 25 right now and will be 26 during the season now frank clark is going to be 30 this summer so you basically got a four and a half to four to four and a half year discount on the age there and they're very similar players athletically there's a few differences like um omenahue is two inches taller he's 10 pounds heavier and he's somewhere around five to six inches longer in his total wingspan than frank clark is but they both have similar athletic numbers. Um, the biggest difference is Omenahue has a much better speed and a higher burst. Uh, 97th percentile burst. And that 
is just like you can see it in his get off it's insane when the ball's hiked he looks like he's coming out of a rocket like he he gets off the ball so quickly and that is an absolute weapon of his especially with his long arms he can get up onto offensive tackles very quickly and you often in his film will see him just go right by the tackle and hit the quarterback um and it shows in the numbers i mean he had uh number 14 he was number 14 in pressures in the nfl by defensive ends and on limited snap share that's pretty nuts um he, he was constantly harassing the quarterback and uh some of that i guess is because the lines worried about nick bosa but the same thing in kansas city the line is worried about chris jones so he's not going to be asked to be the dominant guy on this team he's going to be asked to play a pretty similar role to what he played in in san francisco um i think that like frank clark he gets washed out of run plays a little bit um coming out of college both him and clark were in like the bottom 15th percentile of uh strength for dns based on bench reps now it doesn't i mean bench press is not the end-all be-all for strength i know a lot of strong people would say that bench press is kind of a pointless workout but for football it's not and i think that it does tell us a little bit because you see on film he will get washed out of run plays a decent amount um and i think it's due to him being so tall i think he doesn't always have his pad level low enough to get the leverage necessary to really be able to stand firm and like get through those blocks um but that is something he can work on i mean the the training program for kansas city is pretty well known as a good one um and hopefully he can just continue to improve on that and continue to improve his form and i think i think he really has a pretty high ceiling um where he'll fall at in the rotation i'm not exactly sure if clark comes back i think clark and and george karloftis would be the top two dns at least for now but um as the roster stands right now karloftis and omenahue seem to be the guys who would be the starters and then uh felix on udk uzama would be probably the rotation guy at the beginning but um that all depends on how camp goes because i could very easily see it just being a pretty even three-man rotation with um like a mike dana or guy like that to mix in there uh as well so i think that the dn position has a great young nucleus of players and i think omenahue is a great addition to that um there just may be some growing pains and chiefs fans may just have to come to grips with the fact that hey you know the first eight to ten games this year the defensive ends might not look like world beaters but i think there's a lot of young talent there i mean really 26 is like the oldest age of any of these guys so um and you know the chiefs are going to add someone uh, it seems to be 
that Clark is going to eventually come back. Um, but even if he doesn't, I think that the position's in a pretty good place, especially because the defensive tackle position is looking pretty good as well. But that's um, a discussion for another day because I'm running low on my time. And uh, that's all I got for today. But it's been really awesome getting going with this. I hope you guys continue to keep up with everything KC Sports Company is doing. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the website. Buy some merch. Um, I'm going to be getting some merch. I might buy one of every shirt. They just look so good. And uh, just remember to follow me on Twitter at Know Your Royal X. Follow KC Sports Company on Twitter. Um, and wherever you listen to podcasts, go subscribe, leave us reviews, leave us comments. We love all that stuff. So until the next time, I'm Xavier Catania saying Know Your Role. And shut your mouth.